Memphis, 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 Hi, this is Tom Izzo at Michigan State, and you're listening to Grizz 901. What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer, and today, it's the Monica McNutt interview day. And I know you're here to hear that, but first I want to get into a little bit of what's been happening. We've been putting out a lot of content, a lot of good interviews as of late, Uh, We've interviewed uh, Coach John Kaufman about John Conchar, and then we went to TCU for the Coach Jamie Dixon about Desmond Bain. We've even hit on the great, one of the goats ever, Tom Izzo, and if you missed that interview, please go back and listen to it after you hear this one, but Tom Izzo was the best, he is the best, and man, that guy, he gave us a lot of time, but he also gave us so much content about Jaron as well as Xavier Tillman, and so I can't thank him enough. But we've had some really good uh, interviews, a lot of good run right here. So we're going to keep things going with the Monica McNutt interview, uh, but we're going to preview the games that are upcoming. With Monica, we talked a little bit about the New York Knicks, which that game is going to be on the 2nd of February, which is coming up this week on Wednesday. But before then, we have a game tonight. And tonight's game is against the Philadelphia 76ers. The breaking news and the new news that's come out is that Joel Embiid will be out of this game. And that put on a big swing of the uh, the betting line. It was, I think it was minus 2.5, minus 3.5 for the 76ers. And now it's completely flipped to minus 3.5 for the Grizzlies. That's a huge swing. That's roughly 7-point swing for losing Joel Embiid. And if you look at what the Grizzlies did this year when he, they were without Joel Embiid, uh, the Grizzlies dominated. And I look for them to have another good run tonight. They could be getting back Tyus Jones, which is a big key factor. Getting him in and limiting his minutes to maybe 15 because you want to integrate him back in, but also give him the reins. Tyus continues to do Tyus things. He's not going to do anything that's so crazy and that's so helpful to the team besides give you the stability that you need. And we've actually missed that stability a lot lately. And so I look for him to give us the stability that we really do need tonight. So it looks like we're going to have majority of everyone back outside of Dylan Brooks, who's still favoring that ankle. Uh, He's going to be out probably close to the All-Star game, if not further. But right now, we're about to get semi-healthy. And so hopefully... This is good things to come. They're going to go on a road trip right here. Uh, We're going to pick up the 76ers tonight and then the New York Knicks on Wednesday. But let's get into this game a little bit. The Grizzlies are setting at 35-17. and They're on a three-game win streak, and they're looking to bounce back. John Morant's been amazing. Jaron Jackson Jr. has been amazing. And the rest of the team, they continue to do the little things. And playing the defensive end has been a big key factor in this. And with Desmond Bain with that huge block, and then it kicks out, gives it out to Jaron, who throws the lob to John Morant. That sequence of basketball was one of the best. And one of the things that you can look at with this team, 
Not many other teams can do that. Get a block at the rim with their shooting guard, throw it out to their big guy who runs the court and lobs it up to their point guard. It's amazing, and it's cool to see. And I hope we get to see that tonight. A lot of running and gunning, a lot of dunking. I love it. 30-19 and 19 for the 76ers. They're on a four-game win streak. They've been playing much better as of late. Who knows what's going on with Ben Simmons? He's obviously still out. But they do have Tobias Harris and Maxi. They're both going to be good tonight. And so I expect that the Grizzlies will play well tonight because they played well with, against them already. But they match up pretty well. I would imagine Andre Drummond's back, and he's going to be in the starting lineup uh, going against a guy like Steven Adams. They both can rebound really well. And so I expect that Steven Adams gets the best of Andre Drummond there. And so I think that we have a lot of positive matchups within this team. They're very good, and they can shoot the ball pretty well. I expect Tobias Harris to hit a three-pointer or two. Uh, as well as Maxi, I, I think Maxi can hit it, you know two three pointers tonight. I, I think that he can really continue to stretch the floor and play good as he's played as of late. Uh, and if you're looking at any kind of the betting lines, they're both at one and a half and pretty even money. So if you like those odds, you don't have MB tonight, which that means they should have more opportunity. I expect both of those guys to cash in on both of those bets. The Grizzlies do give up a lot of three pointers, and so I expect them. To continue tonight, but in the end, I I look at this game as being kind of an eight or nine point win for the Grizzlies. I think that they'll get up early, and I think that they'll you know the first quarter will be back and forth you know a good bit, which it normally is with the Grizzlies. And then when the second unit comes in for the Grizzlies, you can kind of see a stability. You know they're stabilizing that that lead of five, and then Ja comes back in around the seven minute mark in the second quarter. And I think they continue on to push that up to a 14 to 15 point league uh, where they're actually able to cruise and get to about halftime. And then after that, I think it's just kind of securing the lead, securing the win. And I, and I expect that the Grizzlies continue to be a good third quarter team. But let's hit on the Knicks because uh, Monica and I get into it. Uh, it was a lot of fun talk that uh, me and Monica were able to get into outside of the Knicks. Um, I asked the simple question early on is, does she still play? Because she, she's in game shape. She looks like she's still in shape. Uh, but she talks a little bit about the COVID uh, hampering that. Uh, but I also, the main questions I want to know is what made her kind of choose, you know, the Grizzlies last year during that time when she chose them outside of uh, the other 17 people that, you know, or 16 people that didn't. Um, and then, you know, Ja, what's his effect on the outside world? Uh, outside of Memphis, how does he? How is he looked upon? Uh, because he is now he's seventh in jersey sales this season, which is incredible. That a guy out of Memphis, Tennessee, is seventh overall in jersey sales. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but let's get into the Knicks real quick, and then we'll get you into the interview. The Knicks are twenty three and twenty seven. They lost three in a row, but they play the Kings tonight. They are six-and-a-half game um, line on the Kings, and I expect that the way the Kings have played, I expect that the Knicks win. They're going to be at home, and it's hard to beat them at home, especially if you're a team that really doesn't know your identity and really doesn't care. I I think it's going to be a tough uh, game to win for the Kings, and so I expect the Knicks to win that game, which would put them at 24-27. They're still going to be outside of the play-in, and I don't know what's the future for them. 
but I don't know if they make the playoffs this year. I think they're going to be one of the game, one of the teams that's 11th or 12th at the end of the day because maybe Washington continues to slide and they slide out, but I expect Atlanta to hop up in that spot. And I was able to ask Monica that question and see what she thinks. Uh, so we'll see uh, later in the interview what she really thinks about this New York Knicks team. But what I'm looking at with this team It's really R.J. Barrett, and they're going to go as R.J. Barrett goes. And he's been shooting much better as of late. He's learning to get to his spots, as Monica talks about. uh, But he's also able to kind of stretch the floor and shoot some threes. If the Grizzlies allow him to shoot threes like crazy and allow him to get to his spots, it's going to be a long night because R.J. Barrett can, can fill it up. He absolutely can. But if he But if you are able to get him off of his spots then he will be more inconsistent. And that's really been the biggest thing with RJ is not uh, being as consistent night in, night out. Another uh, guy to to look for beyond the three-point line is Fournier. He will light it up if you leave him open. And that's the biggest thing with him is he's not a guy who's going to create so much and just shoot it in your eye. He's not. He's going to hit those open kickouts and he will drain them. The Grizzlies can kind of hold that off I feel good about us being in this game. And um, Julius Randle, who has not played well as of late, he still does a good job of rebounding the ball. And he's able to get offensive rebounds and putbacks. And he's not shooting as well as he was. But with the team that now, with the Grizzlies have, they have Jaron Jackson Jr. and Steven Adams, who were able to actually rebound the ball much better on the defensive end. I expect, and I continue to say that, But I look to see that the Grizzlies continue on their winning ways against this New York Knicks team because they're not very deep, even though they just added Cam Reddish. They're not a deep team. The Grizzlies have a much better bench, and with the the likes of Tyus coming back, he will be back 100% for that Knicks game. I look to Tyus being a key factor in that game because he will stabilize that second unit, and he will get them gunning and running. And Brandon Clark, can't say enough good things about him as he continues to shine. I think Brandon Clark will be a good matchup against somebody like Julius Randle. He wants to put the ball on the, on the floor and get to the rim. And I think Brandon Clark is a guy who can stay in front of him as well as, you know, out-athleticize him. Is that is that a word? Out-athlete him? He's just going to be more athletic than Julius Randle. And I expect that to continue. So here's the hoping that we come out with the win in the Garden. And this week, man, it's a crazy week. They play tonight, Wednesday against the Knicks like we talked about. And then they get a little break. They're still on the road. I would imagine they're coming back home in the meantime. But against the Orlando Magic on Saturday. I really do think that this is a three-win week. And that would be very, very big to continue on the winning ways for the Grizzlies. And so I looked at this being a undefeated week. Why not? Let's have some fun with it. Um, and we're going to get into the Monica McNutt interview in one second. I have a betting tip I want to give you. It's a parlay that I've kind of looked at. and I'm always on uh, the parlays for the Grizzlies. If you have a chance, uh, I always try to make sure I put up a little graphic that has a parlay of some fun that features the Grizzlies as well as the other team uh, and some of the betting odds. And I put that together. I usually release it within an hour or two before the game so everybody can kind of play. 
because sometimes lines, they just don't come out until a lot of these injury reports come out. But the one I have already that I've done, I put in, I put my money on it. It's plus 200. So you can back off of it if you'd like. Uh, It's pretty much going to drop down to 165, 115, depending on if you add the two, three, or four people. Uh, But the two that I like the best uh, that I'm looking at, and this is what I'm building this whole entire parlay around, is that Jaron Jackson Jr., two-plus blocks, and this is the same game parlay. Uh, Steven Adams, two-plus assist. They both have been doing this practically at a 90% to 100% hit rate in the last 10 games. And then Maxi for one three-pointer. He hit two against the Grizzlies last time. I expect him to do this. He is shooting the ball much better, and especially without Joel Embiid, he's going to continue just to throw the ball up. Whether he, you know Whether he is actually open or not, he will have the ball in his hands more often or not, so he will have the chance to shoot more. So the attempts will be way up there. So him hitting one of four, five, or six, I, I feel good about that. And another guy, Desmond Bain, hitting one three-pointer. I think we think more highly of Desmond Bain, but I'm just putting in him for one three-pointer because him getting that second three-pointer didn't come until the last literally seconds before he was subbed out. And so I don't want to play that game again, even though he won me a lot of money. I'm going to go ahead and keep it simple at plus 200, which is really good odds for Jaron two blocks, Steven Adams two assists, Maxi for one three-pointer, and Bain for one three-pointer, plus 200. I feel good about it. And then the other thing I feel good about is Monica McNutt. She is awesome. You're going to love her. And I am, honestly, I'm so excited that everybody gets to hear this interview uh, even though her, her voice was a little scratchy and I saw her struggling a little bit as she was trying to drink her tea throughout this interview, uh, but she was amazing and she could not stop smiling. She didn't realize how big of a kind of a person, um, I guess a TV person that she is uh, here in Memphis because one, uh, I assured her that once you kind of, you rock with Memphis, you rock with us forever. And so she will hopefully get down here for a playoff game. Uh, but you'll hear our response to that later because uh, I don't think ESPN is going to let her and Big Perk come together. Uh, they're, it's just they're known now for being uh, big Grizzlies fans uh, and just kind of big promoters of them. So uh, it's it's a lot of good, a lot of fun, a lot of good time, and you're going to love this interview. Let's go ahead and get into it. Enjoy. All right, today's interview we have with us a former Georgetown baller. She works for the ESPN. But most importantly, she was the one of 17 that took the Grizzlies <laughs> over the Warriors last year. She is Monica McNutt. What's up, Monica? Daniel, it's so good to be here. Memphis and Grizzlies fans have shown so much love since that selection. I can see it. I can see it, Daniel. I can see the greatness upon y'all. <laughs> we love it. We love you and Big Perk. I have to give him the shout out because it was the two of you that kind of took the Grizzlies over the Warriors last year during the play-in. And ever since then, I think we've embraced you as one of our own, you and Big Park, because y'all two have been, you know, sharing the good graces of the Grizzlies since that time. It's been awesome. It is a privilege. Um, One of my roles is a New York studio analyst, but when Memphis comes to town, I will not hide uh, my affection for this squad. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Uh, So I have one personal question. Do you still play? You know, so I moved to New York in October. Prior to that, obviously, we were living in the pandemic. Um, prior to the pandemic, when I had the time, like coming in and out of LA Fitness, just maintaining my personal 
fitness, I would hop in the gym with the guys, like in the mornings when I had the yeah. time. Um, I haven't had the time so much now. Um, maybe when the weather warms up this spring, there's actually a court not far from my place in New York. So I'm open to it. I like it. Well, you can't take the baller out, right? You're always going to have no. it. And that's, and that's what I do to stay in shape, whatever shape I am now, my dad bod. But uh, I love playing basketball because it doesn't feel like a workout. So it's great. I, I'm with you. I agree with you. And you get those competitive juices flowing a little yep. bit. It's a little different from like the around the horn first take version of competitive juices. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. Uh, well, we love watching you everywhere, but we got to talk a little bit about Grizzlies. So what made you take the Grizzlies over the Warriors last year? Well, specifically last year, Daniel, I know you remember this. They just played the Warriors to finish the regular season game. Right. And I kind of been, I've been a fan of Ja. I will admit when Ja got drafted, I was like, mm, I get it, but is this going to translate? And so he was a guy that I was super curious about. Um, as he joined the league and so just kind of following and watching the personality of that team the pieces of that team in terms of so many NBA prototype bodies um, and then the energy that they played with the kind of chaos that they created on the defensive end and so last year in particular watching the end of the regular season game they were right there I think people forget how closely they played the Warriors until Dylan Brooks fouled out Um, and Steph was you know he's starting to look tired then in terms of his incredible shooting and carrying that warrior squad and so combined with what i saw schematically knowing that dylan brooks fouled out personally i know personally coming up in the big east having an opportunity to play uconn the giant that they are three times as a competitor there's nothing more there's nothing you want more than a chance to run it back while the adjustments are fresh in my mind and so i just felt like this was literally and i think i said this on sports center this was the best implement film session now opportunity that the Memphis Grizzlies could have had. And so they were able to make all the necessary adjustments and we know what the results were. Yeah. And that's the NBA. The NBA is a game of adjustments. Uh, Any sport is the game of adjustments, but the NBA is so critical. And that's where the coaches really earn their money is back-to-back matchups in the playoffs, but also halftime matchups. When you can just make those little B tweaks, it's all about who makes the last adjustment. And so I actually predicted on our podcast that whoever won that first game, was going to actually lose a second because that's how it always is. Is If you get the better of the team, usually the second time around, there's a flip and you can't adjust quickly enough. Uh, but now let's transition to a little bit about this year. And John Morant is now an all-star starter, but he's also seventh in NBA jersey sales this year, which is awesome. So my question is, what is it that resonates with Ja and the, the rest of the NBA fan base outside of Memphis? Because we know what he is here. But just outside, like how much is he resonating out there? There's two things, I think, Daniel. One, Ja has an every man's quality, right? He's not 6'10", 210, been an athletic specimen his entire life. Like he's very humble beginnings. I think his dad is the coolest dude out, like Murray State, the whole story. And so there's an every, every man, every person quality to Ja, right? Now, granted, he is still a freakish athlete, right? but if you saw walking down the street you wouldn't necessarily say oh that must be a pro athlete right um and then two i think his age right i think that when you really think about it like steph uh, who else is on that that also team lebron obviously was 37 steph andrew's sort of a new guy out in the west but like those guys are my age and not that i feel like i'm old but you know 32 there's you can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel 
although we're seeing guys play much longer because of the way they're able to care for their bodies. But Ja, logically, is, ne- is next up in terms of his connectivity to the fan base. I know that he's gone on record talking about other issues, bigger issues than just playing basketball. And when I look at this generation of NBA fans, his, his ability to connect, to me, mm-hmm. it stands out. And, of course, we haven't even mentioned what he does on the floor. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is I think his connection with the fans. Uh, if you see the, the new Funko Pop, whatever that's coming out, uh, that I am obviously too old to have, but I have kids. And so now I will make sure that uh, they have one, which I've already pre-ordered. Uh, but it just his Funko Pops already selling out uh, over the likes of Luca and other players. And so I can kind of see what he's doing. Uh, but his game. It's going to another level this year and something that I've kind of watched uh, just very closely. Um, what have you seen in kind of the next step that is John Morant now? What is it that you've seen a difference of just over the past year or two years or whatever it might be that you've seen in Ja? I'll start pace to me. Yes. And I think we go back to that playing game last year. And I can remember the very minute conversation in the Twitter streets about he didn't even have that great of a game if you looked at the box score. But you had to watch him dictate pace and pick his spots in that playing game. And I think that is 100% carried over this year. While he has given us some of the most explosive dunks and blocks, uh, Circa versus the Lakers, this season, when you watch the Grizzlies, he's got a handle on the pace of the game that I think um, precedes him. Like, he's too young as a a gentleman and as, as a player in this league to already have such a grasp on the pace in terms of, I'm going to explode here. I'm going to keep my dribble alive here. I can distribute in this position. Um, and I understand what this team needs. Now, credit Taylor Jenkins, and I love a team that lives in a little bit of mayhem. When I think of the Memphis Grizzlies identity, if you give them a chance to run that gun, they are, right? But I think the duality of this squad in terms of, yeah, that's our bread and butter. But if you make us sit down, we can do that too. It's something that I don't know. Like, that's the versatility that has them in the top four in the West. Because that's not something that every team can do well. And I don't care who you are. I say this all the time. At any level of basketball, you need to be able to get easy baskets. Because while you may have the ability to come down and use up the whole shot clock, that's just tough. That's just tough. Teams scout too well. Guys defend. They know habits, especially when we start talking series. And so not only do the Grizzlies get easy baskets, but they also get intense energy off these easy baskets. Like, it is a signature to who they am. And that energy you see it carry over on the defensive side of the basketball, and that's why they are not there in the league right now. Yeah, and I think that's the defensive end, like you talked about, was their biggest flaw early in the season. They just were not figuring it out, and it was you know pace of play. And in the past years, the the Grizzlies kind of did the roller coaster deal in Jaw's career because when he played with that 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 pace, when he was playing downhill, they were able to be such a better team. And this year, that is exactly what you're, you know, what uh, you've hit a nail on the head because it is when he's getting downhill, like he is every game now, they're so dangerous. Uh, but two players I want to ask your opinion on uh, with the Grizzlies, and that's Jaron Jackson Jr. We call him the Block Panther here, uh, but also Desmond like Bain. Yeah, Desmond Bain, who is the, the flyby king. Uh, okay. Two little nicknames. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on them? Because they're both uh, young and up and coming as well. All right, so I got a shout out to Jaron as like, in the name of Hoya Saxa, bleeding blue and gray is like mm-hmm. sort of kind of my little cousin, kind of. Both his parents obviously were Hoyas. I think the world of his parents, his dad is with the Westchester Knicks. His mom works with the WNBA Players Association. 
Um, Terry's amazing. We do a bunch of stuff together with the WNBA. So it's really cool to see the success that Jaren is having. Um, I think Jaren, I think when Jaren got hurt, I don't want to say he was forgotten. Yeah. But I do think people, he wasn't top of mind. Yeah. And just by virtue of injury. But I remember Jaron coming into the league and he's a he's an NBA prototype. Like he's the prototype in terms of the size, the skill set, and the versatility. And so it's funny because as you were talking about John getting downhill, I think it's one thing to have a player that can do that. But when you have multiple guys that either can do it on their own in spots or are running alongside John, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I think for Jaron and Desmond, their skill sets perfectly suit Ja. And then you add their ability and their commitment, I should say, on the defensive end. Like that so much of what this team does happens on the defensive end. And then they just make offense look easy. So I think Jaron, listen, Jaron's going to have, I mean, so many of the Memphis Grizzlies players will, but Jaron's going to have a double digit amount of years in this league. Like he's going to be great. I think he has all-star potential if he gets in the right spot. Desmond, I don't know if he has the same sort of all-star potential, but I was talking to, who was I talking to the other day? That's one of these basketball folks that I talked to, but we were talking about this idea of like knowing your role and how elite you can be in your role. It may have even been Shaq on Thursday night talking on um, TNT, but I think people forget, like if you do your thing well, as Des does, he's going to defend, he's going to knock down threes, he's going to crash the glass. Like do your thing well. If everybody does their thing well, we become a really good team. You know what I mean? And so those two in particular, to me, um, are guys that know their role and they play with the same kind of energy and swag. Well, they, I should say, they feed off the energy and swag that uh, Ja brings because I think Jaron's a little bit more laid back. <laughs> oh, Ja's pretty laid back off the court, yeah. though. Yeah, they, uh, so all three of those complement each other very well on mm-hmm. the court, but also off the court because, uh, you know, I, I interviewed Tom Izzo uh, this week. And he was talking about how much of, you know, the positivity and what Jaron brings to the big smile that he has and the, the, the carefree attitude. Uh, he's, he's turning into more of a guy who will go after your neck because of jaw mm-hmm. and jaw a little bit more of the playful, having fun. And then Desmond Bain on the court, he spreads them out. Right. But he also has that little bit of fire and they all have the chip on their shoulder. Uh, mentality which memphis does and so we love it we love them and so i had to ask about that uh the hoya pride right you know it's gonna it's gonna yeah. keep uh but let's transition over to the knicks a little bit uh so you cover the knicks uh and so i want to ask them uh just it's a simple question they've struggled this year compared to last so what is holding them back Ooh, then that's that's loaded <laughs> i think oh, i don't know how much time we have for that answer <laughs> <laughs> right. But to, to keep it succinct, um, huh. <laughs> to keep it succinct. Keep your job. Keep your job. I'm right. I'm going to keep my job. I'm just going to go with two things. Consistency and leadership. Like that has woefully been missing this year. Um, and I don't know quite the answer to drumming up consistently. I mean, you've got a game early in the season, what, the overtime game versus Boston. Evan Fournier is terrific. It's the overtime game winner. I mean, RJ Barrett has a game winner in his bag this year. Um, I, the obvious point, and I think it has made his rounds nationally and locally, is that Julius has not been as productive as he was last year. While that's part of it, I do also think that that's a slight oversimplification. Mm-hmm. Um, the roster has shifted a bit this year. Um, obviously, you're not playing in a pandemic season. I don't know that this group has found consistency with its current pieces. Because you look at some of the additions this year, and you would think, 
that there's more firepower. Right. And in theory, there is. But again, they've not found the consistency in terms of activating that firepower. Um, and then leadership. Like, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, I'm not sure on a given night who's the guy that's going to rally the troops or even hold the team accountable. Yeah, that's the that's the big thing is if you don't have the leadership, um, you know, such as like, you know, Todd Gibson can can offer um, it, it, that is really kind of the biggest thing. He's still there. But what is his role in the team? And so who knows? Because, you know, looking at Julius Randle and his stats, he's shooting, you know, obviously he's scoring less points, which is a big issue. Right. But but six points less per game. Uh, that just that just tells you really what you what, what it is, because. Those six points, they're huge because I was looking at, and one guy I want to talk about is RJ Barrett, but I was looking at his stats and they've been consistent his three years in the league. He scored three mm-hmm. less points in his rookie year, but that's it. So he's mm-hmm. done the exact same points, rebounds, assists for almost three years in a row. So I know he's going to go and I know he's going to play well and he's played consistent. But I don't know about the team around him. And I know they've had injuries a little bit this year, such as everybody has. So I don't want to give excuses. Uh, but I think, I think it is uh, the consistency, but also it is leadership because who's leading that team? Now, Kimball Walker's mm-hmm. out, so that's one of the biggest things. Uh, but I do want to ask about RJ because I am a Duke fan. Uh, okay. And so I have to ask about RJ, and then we'll ask a little bit about uh, Cam Reddish. Uh, but what is it uh, that you see out of uh, RJ – for him to take that next leap because like I just talked about the consistency three years in a row, where is that next leap going to happen? It's funny. When we talk about John and some of that swag, um, I, I think RJ is developing a little bit of an alter ego, which is a good thing. Um, so many of these players in the league are just really nice guys. Like they're right. nice people. And the reality of that is it doesn't translate well when it comes to being a competitor, particularly someone who's tasked with leading the team. But over this last, um, outside of the horrible output, I believe in Miami Wednesday night, <laughs> RJ had been on like some crazy streak where he had, I want to say five 30 point games in like 13 ball games. Um, so, he, and I, I've, I've said this on the broadcast, it's a tremendous compliment. When folks are like, he's got a great basketball IQ and the game comes to him so easily, right? For about any player. But it 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 becomes a double-edged sword when you find yourself standing in the corner waiting for the swing swing, right? Reliant on somebody else getting you in action. And so as of late, it feels like RJ's done a much better job of forcing the issue in a smart basketball way. Right. I had a coach that used to always say, be, be selfish in the team way. And that is, if you have the ability to score and to help us win, you need to activate those abilities. So for me, everything for RJ starts in the paint. One of the things we've marveled at, marveled at his first two years, particularly his second year, is his strength and ability to finish through contact. But you never activate that strength and ability to finish through contact if you're just waiting literally on the corner in the wing for the ball to find you. And so the next step for me for RJ has to be to continue to create. Like he has to be a creator. Of course, you want him to shoot a little bit better percentage-wise, and I think that can come. But all of nothing comes from a standstill. Like he has to yeah. continue to be a creator um, and be aggressive. And early this season, Dan, he's talked about wanting to be the defensive guy for this team. We've seen it in spurts um, when they played the Bulls the first time. He had the terrific defense on DeMar DeRozan down the stretch to force him into a very difficult shot that could have been a game winner. Um, 
But I don't know that we've seen that part of his game consistently yet. And so, again, that C words, dirty little word, we all would be better in our lives if we could activate it, whether we're talking about sports or not. And that would be consistency. Yeah, no, I agree. And looking at his numbers, just kind of uh, just off the top of my head, um, he shoots pretty well at a high percentage uh, with his field goals. Um, obviously, he's not taking a ton of threes, but he's still taking, you know, between four to seven most games. And there, and his – and here lately, his percentage has not been bad. He's shooting 43% uh, just in the – I think it's in the month of January. So that yeah. is a good number. He's, he's starting to trend the right direction. He's shooting 45% overall uh, from the field goal line. So do you think that he needs to take more of an ownership in the offense where he's getting the ball more and saying, hey, yes, Randall, if you're not playing as well, is it mainly that everything that Randall was taking – Randall takes less shots. RJ just takes more shots. Is it that simple, the direction? I don't know if it's that simple in terms of shots, but I do know that Julius is better off the ball. Yeah. Okay. And if, if Julius is off the ball, it gives the offense a little bit more of a chance to have motion and action in which ultimately you see RJ possibly making a cut or a read, which he's tremendous at, right? And yeah. then the offense has a little bit more flow to it. Uh, I mean, it's no secret the Knicks still need an answer at that point guard spot. And I think that that would help both of those guys in particular. But I don't know if it's as simple as this, an even shot swap out. I think it's kind of how you get to those shots. Okay. Um, and RJ, if we're going to talk about the two of them, RJ as of late has done a better job of getting to his spots where Julius is really struggling. Yeah. Well, that's what, you know, and that's how it is. All right. It, it, it's that it's that simple. Like you just said of getting to your shot. It's not the shot. Uh, it's just not the number of shots. It's actually the quality yeah. of shot that you're taking. Uh, so Cam Reddish, they just got him. Uh, can he be a good addition? Is this a better fit for him than it was in Atlanta? Damn. We, we got to wait and find out. <laughs> like, I, candidly, the most exciting part about the Cam Reddish trade initially when it happened to me was Kevin Knox being moved because Kevin Knox was a bit of an enigma. And it felt like you didn't really give that much for a guy that had a ton of promise going into Duke, coming out of Duke. But after some of the enthusiasm settles, he's another six-day wing, like in that a point guard. Yep. Um, can he? Sure. Will he? We got to wait and see. Like, if he wants to be, um, and Jeff Van Gundy made this comparison the other day, if he's going to give you Reggie Bullock, who was a trusted 3 and D guy when he was with the Knicks, then terrific. There's definitely going to be a spot for him. But Evans on the floor, RJ's on the floor. Those two come to mind immediately. Alec Burks is trusted. Again, same kind of size. So you got to wait and see. And there's, there's definitely some wait and see there. Yeah. And that's, that's my same opinion because everybody thought that it was such a better position when realistically, I think he fits in the exact same way as he did it in Atlanta. I think they already have that player there. So I don't know if that was the best spot, but you get to go be with your boy. So yeah, I, I see why he definitely made that decision. Uh, but, but last two questions, these are playoff yeah. questions. I want your predictions. Don't back away from them. Don't be scared. Okay. Will the Knicks, make the playoffs overall include the play-in if you'd like did they make the playoffs this year <laughs> i think this is a oh god damn i think they can get in the play 
I do think they can get in the play. Okay. Uh, I think they got to go on a run. They definitely got to go on a run. The schedule does them no favorites, no favors, I should say. But you got to play the game. You got to see the season out. Knock on all the wood, not wishing any energy, injuries on any other teams. But, like, things happen. Uh, Derrick Rose is going to come back. And last year they rattled off, I want to say it was like a 16-4 run, and that kind of propelled them. And so I'm not – it's not complete doom and gloom. Uh, yeah, but the East is tough. The East is yeah. tough this year. And I don't think anybody had Cleveland potentially being as good as they're going to be. Um, I don't know if Boston's going to make a move at the trade deadline that will steady their ship and they start to pull away from the pack. Um, I think the Wizards are probably the team <clears throat> that the Knicks are looking to keep pace with. But when you really look at those standings, they're like, it's still reasonable to think that they could get into that six, seven, well, maybe not six, seven, eight for sure. So, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. So you have Charlotte, Boston, Toronto, and Washington as, as of this recording. Uh, and you have the Knicks and the Hawks, and the Hawks have looked better as of late as well. They're both knock on the door. So that race of six teams, just to the seven through the 12 area in the East, is going to be crazy uh, going forward. Uh, so last one we'll end on is our Grizzlies. And I'm going to have to ma- ask you to make a prediction. They look to be making the playoffs this year, right? So they're going to be in the top four uh, when this comes out, I would imagine. Do they win a first-round series? That's simple. I think so. I do think they'll win a first-round series. I'm going to hedge it a little bit on the matchups. I agree. That's what I was going to ask you about because that's the biggest thing for me is because depending on who they play, that could be a whole nother story. Yeah. Like, uh, and let me see now, now you got me thinking, Dan, if if they pull Dallas, I'm nervous. Me too. Um, I'm trying to think, let's see, Western conference, NBA, uh, you could pull up the ESPN app. You know, I should be I should be plugging my job, right? Uh, let's see. This is the Eastern Conference. I don't even know what just came up first. All right, so if they pull, what are they three right now? Yeah, they they would. So pull. they get the they get a play. That would make them get a play-in winner, right? No, no. Uh, the, the three would give you Denver as currently uh, right now. Got it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very contingent on matchups. Uh, I don't like Dallas or Denver for them in the first round. Yeah. And, you know, I, the standings are going to be what, it, what it's, what it's going to be. You can't control that. But I don't like Dallas or Denver for them in the first round. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. And I'm even scared of the Lakers, not because that they're good. They have LeBron. And that's that's scary. Even though I feel like the Grizzlies do match up better uh, against a team like that, I, I do feel like Dallas is their number one nemesis. And then Denver, just because Jokic can be Jokic, and that would scare me. But uh, I believe that they could get out of the first round as well. Um, I think if we had to rank, like, least favorites, I actually think I might put the Lakers ahead of Denver. Same. Like, it would be Dallas. Don't see Dallas. Don't see L.A. Don't see Denver. So, of those three, I'd rather them see Denver. I think their speed could pose problems for Denver. Yeah, and it all depends on what, Jamal Murray coming back? Michael Porter Jr. coming back. Who knows, you know, what they even look like if they do come back. So I think there's a lot of questions surrounding that Denver uh, team. Uh, But, Monica, this has been a blast. Um, Yeah. We've had – I want to ask so many questions. And so this morning I was trying to whittle them down because I want to get 
some Knicks love in there. The Grizzlies play the Knicks uh, the 2nd of February. That's going to be mm-hmm. a good matchup, and so I can't wait to see that. Uh, it's going to be at the Knicks, correct? Yes. Correct. Here in the garden. Are you going to be covering them? I will be there. Well, we can't wait. Uh, we don't want to watch your ballet sports or whatever y'all have on there, but we'll watch ours. But we'll look <laughs> for you. We'll look for you. <laughs> Sounds good. I appreciate that. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, and and my last question I have is, who do we need to talk to to get you and Big Perk covering a playoff game in Memphis, in the grindhouse? We got to have both of you. That's all we want. We don't need anybody else. I don't know. Honestly, Dan, it's funny. I don't know if they would send us because we've clearly lost our objectivity when it comes to Memphis. I don't know if they'd send us to actually cover the game, but we might be able to finesse our way there for like some segments or something cool and fun. Um, But I'm working on it. I'm with you. From your lips to God's ears. (laughs) We can't wait. We love you. Uh, Shout out to Big Perk as well. Tell him we said hello. Uh, we're We're big fans down here of both of you, and you will be forever indebted to the city because uh, you're the one, one of the first ones ever to show some love to the 901. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dan.